Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, I hope you guys are ready to have some fun today. And if you're not, well, we're going to get you there. And so for starters, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm looking good today. Come on, it's okay, you're in church. Church makes everybody look better. I'm just saying you made it. You made it to church, and it is so fun to be back in Pennsylvania. And, and, and I'll tell you what, the, the Back 40 conference that your church hosted, I'm telling you, it was, it was so powerful and profound, and I love the fact that you guys are the type of church that's literally raising the spiritual environment of the entire state. You guys realize that, right? You're literally raising the spiritual environment. And I, I think a lot of that is also due to the type of pastors that you guys have here. And I just want to give it up for you guys. I, I know I've, I've said this already to you, but uh, I, I just want you to know, both Mel and Kim and really the whole staff, uh, you guys are so unique. I, I'm in churches all over the world almost every single week, and I don't see uh, this happening in a whole lot of places. And I want you guys to know that's rare, and your pastors are keepers, okay? I just want to let you know that, okay? So, uh, but uh, with all that said, I, I, I want to I dive into a topic, but before we dive into our Bible text today, I want to start out with a, with a story that I think really sets it up, that I, I think will really encourage you. Uh, a while back, I heard a fun story about a a man named Barkley Tate, which is kind of a unique name, isn't it? Uh, those of you who are having kids, you might consider that name uh, for, your, for your son or your daughter. Um, uh, uh, Barkley Tate, no, seriously, it was, he was camping in uh, Front, Royal, or, uh, Front Royal, Virginia back in 1977 when he happened upon uh, this hiker by the name of Dave. And of course, Dave and Barkley both happened to be believers, and somehow in the midst of their conversation, uh, that came out, and they were just sharing about their love for the Lord, and, and so Dave finally said, well, hey, you know, uh, when I go out hiking, I love to pray for people. It's kind of like what I, it's my thing. I hike and I pray. And he goes, so Barkley, is there any, like, prayer requests that uh, you have? And of course, Barkley was like, uh, you know, I mean, sure, you know, he's like, I, I, I'm single. I really, really want to be married. And so uh, would you just pray that, that I would have God's choice for my spouse? I really want to make sure I make this decision right. And so, um, you know, Dave pulls out his journal and he, he writes down in his journal, Barkley Tate wants God's choice for his spouse. And they both said, nice to meet you. And Dave walked off and that was it. It was actually kind of a short conversation between two strangers who both happened to be believers. And get this, so fast forward 11 years later, Barkley and his new wife happened to move to Asheville, North Carolina. And of course, immediately after they arrived in Asheville, they got invited to uh, this Bible study that happened to be at this professor of the uh, University of North Carolina's house. And so they're, they're kind of showing up as strangers, not really having a church yet, knocked on the door. And of course, the host opens up the door and says, Barkley Tate, is that you? And of course, they're like, who are you? You know, I mean, 11 years, they couldn't, they couldn't recognize that the person at the door was Dave. And of course, Dave is like, you don't remember me? And then he runs up the, he runs up the stairs, comes running down with this journal, and he goes, remember we met in Front Royal, Virginia? I was hiking, and, you, you, he, and he opens up the journal. And of course, Barkley is still, you know, like, ah, I don't know if I 
Remember this. You remember you asked me um, to pray for, look at this, Barclay Tate is wanting God's choice for his wife. And of course, Barclay is looking at this journal, and, and it was probably the most detailed prayer journal he had ever seen in his entire life, because it was all the prayer requests with the dates and everything all in it. And, and, and Dave was like, Barclay, I prayed literally for seven straight years for you. And he was like, really? You prayed seven years? And, he, and, then, and then Dave was like, and the weirdest thing happened. Uh, God woke me up in the middle of the night. You can see here on December 30th, God woke me up in the middle of the night on December 30th, 1984, and just said, write in your journal next to Barclay Tate, prayer answered. And so I did. And, uh, and column two, prayer answered, checked off, right? And of course, Barkley and Sherry looked at each other with a shocked look on their face because, get this, that was the exact night in which they got married. And they just couldn't believe that God would speak to a guy like that or that a guy would even pray for seven years like that. And I, I just, uh, the, I shared that story for several reasons. First off, single people, if you're wondering if God cares about your spouse, he does, okay? He cares. And for the rest of us, if you're wondering if God still speaks to people in prayer, he does. And he doesn't want to just speak to a dude named Dave. He wants to speak to you today. He wants to clarify things about his will for you today. But the question that we need to answer is this. Are we listening? And do we even know how to listen? Because one of those important things that, that we need to learn how to listen for is the call of God on our lives. And if you don't know what the call of God is, you could call it whatever you want. You can call it your destiny. You can call it your mission on planet Earth, the purpose for which you were created. But listen, uh, the Bible says that God determined the time set for you in the exact places where you would live, Acts 17, 26. And even more than that, he says in Ephesians 2, 10, that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Say it with me. Good works. God actually created a certain set of exploits on planet earth that only you can fulfill. And he created them in advance. And so it makes me wonder, God, what is the good work that you want me to do this coming week? What is the good work that you want me to do next month? What is the good work you want me to do this coming year? And if we don't know how to listen to God, many times we're going to end up missing those things because a lot of people miss those things, which is why the Apostle Paul in the New Testament was constantly praying for people to discern their callings. He was constantly encouraging us, you got to discern your calling. you got to understand God's will for your life. And if you do, there are so many crazy benefits. And of course, uh, he lists them all in Colossians 1. And I actually want to just start out our, our message today by reading Colossians chapter 1, verse nine. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen as well. Colossians 1. And I'm going to read some of the benefits of knowing God's will today. So listen up, because in the context, Paul has been talking about how Christianity is spreading everywhere. And so verse 9, Colossians 1, 9 says, for this reason, in other words, because I want the gospel to remain fruitful and continue spreading, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. 
through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, God's will was so important that Paul literally said, I have not stopped praying for it. I have not stopped praying for it. If you want to know the prayer that Paul did not stop praying for, it was that the people that he was encountering would understand the will of the Lord. And we pray this verse 10, that you'll understand it in order, and then he gives a a few reasons why he's praying it, in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance, you might have patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read my Bible, I kind of space out because when you're, especially the Apostle Paul, um, you know, it sounds like he speaks in never-ending run-on sentences, and and part of that is actually a a translation issue. When you translate out of the Greek, it doesn't have the same punctuation that we have in English, and so you never know where to stop, you know what I mean? And and so, like, if you've ever felt that way when you're reading your Bible, don't worry, I feel that way all the time. I have to go back and and really think about what he just said, And, and if you really think about it, what the Apostle Paul was saying is understanding God's will results in six different unique characteristics in your life. And I just want to list them one more time just to kind of uh, simplify what Paul just said. Paul gives us six results for knowing God's will, and here they are. Number one, it worships the Lord. Number two, you'll bear more fruit in your life. In other words, you'll have a greater impact and greater influence in your life. How many of you would love to have that, right? Impact more people. Number three, you will be more strengthened with endurance. In other words, you're just going to have a supernatural ability to persevere in your life when you understand God's will. Number four, you're going to have more patience in life. Patience is not the ability to wait. It's the ability to wait with a good attitude, somebody. On the way to church, that slow driver, oh. And then even in the church parking lot, people drive so crazy. What's up with people? Okay, God will give you patience if you understand his will. And lastly, the fifth and sixth is you're going to be filled with joy and filled with thankfulness. I don't know about you, but I could use a few of those things. I I mean, there's a lot at stake here. And and I would like to actually suggest to you that, that your lack of joy your lack of endurance, your lack of fruitfulness or patience right now, it might not be a circumstantial thing. You thought it was because your, you know, your spouse isn't good enough, your family isn't acting the way you want, your boss won't give you a raise. You thought it was a circumstantial thing, but I would like to suggest to you, what if the very reason why you're lacking joy in your life is simply because you don't know God's will enough? Just what if? I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm just saying what if. And, and if you're out there and you're like, well, how, I, I don't even know what that means, like discerning God's will. How do we do that? Well, I mean, practically speaking, so I've got three kids, and I'm always explaining them how to discern God's will. And, and there's three ways that God speaks to us, through his word, through just exposing our souls to the Bible. That's why you show up at church, because you get more Bible in your heart. Um, the second reason why, the second way that God speaks to us about his will is through godly friends and mentors. That's why you're, many of you are going to go to growth track today for the first time simply because you're going to get more exposed to the staff here and in the heart of this church and they're going to help you figure out how to get into the type of relationships that are going to help you understand God's will. And the, the third way that God speaks to us is prophetically. He, he speaks to us through our consciences by giving us a peace. He leads us forth with peace. Between two good ideas, he gives us a God idea. 
You see what I'm saying? God wants to speak through all three different ways, but I want to add one more key ingredient to this list today. I want to talk about how God can speak through your passion and moreover, through your pain. And I know that sounds really funny, but before I do this, I, I want to uh, once again launch into another story that illustrates um, where we're going next. And I, I, a while back, I happened to be reading in a newspaper just this crazy story uh, about this art collector. There was this there's this dude who just loved collecting religious art, and it wasn't like impressive art. It was like actually kind of garage sale art. Whenever he'd see something uh, religious art, he would just, you know, buy it and, and start putting it all over his house. And of course, this, you know, he's just an average Joe with not a whole lot of money. So this is not prestigious art, okay? Well, after a while, he happened to throw a party at his house, and, and one of the guests that he uh, invited happened to be a curator uh, for the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which if, if you don't know what that is, it's the second largest museum in the world. And so this guy is a curator who gets to be around priceless works of art that are ancient all the stinking time. And of course, um, you know, so this, this curator comes over to his house, and of course, this, this, this guy who's hosting him, this, this kind of, this average everyday art guy is like, let me show you all the little cool art pieces I've got around my house. And of course, you know, the curator is like, all of this is very unimpressive, but okay, I'll indulge you. Oh, interesting, interesting. And you know, nothing was really impressive. And so the curator sits down on the couch and, and he looks at the coffee table and, and all of a sudden the curator, something caught his eye on the coffee table and he goes, hey, tell me about this little piece of art you have on your coffee table. And, and, and the, the host was like, oh, that old thing? Yeah, that's so funny. I, 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 I bought that off an old priest who bought it at a garage sale. I think, I think he paid 50 bucks for it, and then he just gave it to me, and I thought it made a great paperweight, and so I kind of just threw it on my table. And, and of course, the, the curator picks it up, and he looks at it, and he goes, um, you know, I know this, this might sound strange. I think this might be a little older than you think it is. Would you mind if I brought it into our laboratory guys at the museum and just had them analyze this thing? And, uh, and he's like, no, go ahead. Take the paperweight. Go ahead. Well, it turned out after the laboratory guys looked at it, they discovered that it was a piece created by Donatello, who was the teacher of Michelangelo, who painted the Sistine Chapel, okay? Uh, like, uh, you know, this world-famous artist, and it turned out the, that guy was using a $5 million work of art as a paperweight. And if you're wondering, uh, this is for, you're thinking, okay, this is the justification for why I store so much junk in the garage. Okay, no, that's, it's not the same. But I, I just, I love this story because if it wasn't for that curator, thank God he happened to invite that curator over to that, that party. Because if it wasn't for that curator, that treasure never would have been unearthed. And I think uh, this is a great metaphor for a lot of our callings. There's things in our lives that we don't even place value on, and yet they have, they, they're, they're filled with value. They're priceless. There's gifts in our lives. There's passions in our lives that we think are useless for the kingdom, and God's saying, oh, no, 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 no. It is not a mistake that I gave you a passion for that, for, for hunting, for, for writing, for underwater basket weaving, whatever weird thing you're into. You know, I think a lot of times we have these passions in our lives, and we underestimate them. We, we, 
we devalue certain things in our lives that actually have greater value. For example, uh, believe it or not, I, I actually got talked into full-time ministry. I did not want to be in full-time ministry. The guy who tried to get me in full-time ministry literally like constantly would call my house and say, dude, you need to be a pastor. And every time he would say that, I would laugh at his face. I'd be like, a pastor? I, there's, I can't be a pastor. I mean, like, that's ridiculous. I can't speak worth dirt. I freeze up every single time I, I stand in front of people. I can't talk. I, there's no way I would ever be a great pastor. I'm kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? I'm introverted. I'm not sure I like shaking hands. I'm sure I just kind of went off on all sorts of reasons why I would be a terrible pastor. Well, uh, keep in mind, just to back up in the story, uh, you know, like in my mind, I thought I was going to be a musician. That was really my whole, like I, I was raised, uh, my grandfather was a violin maker. I was raised as a classical cellist. And then, of course, I, I got bored with, you know, orchestra stuff. And I started going into, you know, rock music, became an electric guitarist in a band. And then, and then after a while, I, I, I got really, I started getting into uh, to electronic dance music and it kind of took off. I literally would tour around to nightclubs with my turntables and uh, would do kind of a Calvin Harris Zed thing if you're into electronic dance music. And I, I literally would tour all over the Midwest. And of course, I was miserable. I didn't know Christ. And of course, uh, last time I was here, I, I shared my, my full testimony of how I came to Christ, but I literally gave my life to Christ in a nightclub, believe it or not. I, I uh, was so miserable one night. I, I literally was like, God, if you exist, then you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. And 30 seconds later, a guy came up to me and said, dude, I know this is weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. And it so freaked me out that God would answer my prayer 30 seconds after I prayed it that I knew I needed to give my life to Christ. And so what happened was, is everywhere I would go, uh, people would be like, oh my gosh, you're that DJ who gave his life to Christ. Would you come share your story? And I'd be like, I can't speak. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk. But it was like everybody kept dragging me into full-time, trying to draft me into being um, you know, a speaker. And, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. It was like some, one of these reluctant things. And, and yet, thank God I had a curator in my life. I had a pastor in my life who saw a gift in me and said, Peter, you are called to the ministry. God does want to use you. And yeah, you might freeze up in front of people, but you know what? You've got insights and you just got to get over your fear. And thank God I answered that call because there's now several thousand people in the Twin Cities that call our church home and that we've led to Christ, tens of thousands that we've led to Christ. And I, I look back and I think about, you know, my, my paperweight was my speaking gift. I didn't think it had any value whatsoever, and it turned out to have a lot more value. But if it wasn't for that curator, I never would have discovered it. And the same thing was true even about music gifts. The irony was, is once I was in full-time ministry, I kind of pendulum swung away from music, and suddenly music became my paperweight. I, it was kind of one of those side hobbies. If you get to know me, I spend almost every night just writing music. I just love songwriting. I write orchestral music. I still write electronic dance music. I still do all of that. And of course, um, you know, what was funny was, is over the years, I've had all these pastors started calling me, and they're like, Peter, would you come to my church? Would you come share your testimony of how you got saved in a nightclub and how you used to do electronic dance music? But then would you do this? Would you bring your turntables and like literally turntable in our church? You know, like do it up, just start scratching. And I'm like, 
I'd laugh and I'd be like, I don't even own turntables. And they're like, no, you should own turntables. And I thought that's the weirdest thing. And, 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 but the problem was is that every pastor that would call me would ask me to do the same thing. They, they would ask, hey, Pastor Peter, would you come share your testimony? Bring your turntables. And I'm like, you don't want me to bring turntables. Like, it, was like, it was almost like a joke to me. And yet everywhere I would go, I would get the same request. And I kept, I finally, the third pastor that asked me to, to bring my turntables, I'm like, why, why do why would you want me to do that in church? Like that's, it's almost weird to me that you would want me to keep doing this. And, and my one, one pastor friend said, Peter, come on. You have to understand, everybody loves a redemption story. They love a redemption story. Uh, pe- people don't want to just hear that God saved you out of the nightclubs. They want to hear that you go back to the nightclubs and are punching the devil in the face and you're showing people Jesus there. That's what they want to see. And, and I, I started thinking, okay, I, yeah, I, I get that. I get that. But I, I still, it was still a little odd to me. And, and, and my one pastor friend was like, Peter, you know, what's, you know what would be unique? And just because he was like, Peter, you still write electronic dance music, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I just don't think people want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and he's like, no, listen, they do want to hear it because when they hear it, it reminds them that, hey, maybe their past isn't a waste. Maybe their pain isn't a waste. Maybe their, maybe their past is actually their platform. Maybe, maybe there's a meaning, more meaning to my past. And more, more, maybe God is redeeming my pain too. Well, uh, to be totally honest, even though I heard all these arguments, I still wasn't really that open. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I would still write electronic dance music on the side just, to, um, you know, just for my own benefit, for fun. But you'll never believe what happened next, okay? So this is, this is kind of the wake-up call. This was the alarm clock that went off in my life. Um, against all odds, a talent scout, an A&R guy from Capitol Records in Nashville somehow got a hold of one of my songs. I don't even know how he got a hold of it, but uh, he got a hold of it, and he called me up, and he's like, um, he's like, Peter Haas, did you write this song? Because, man, I, I've been listening to this song, and I think it's amazing, and would you ever consider doing an electronic dance music with, uh, album with us? And I'm like, I laughed, and I'm like, you'll never believe what I do for a living, and I'm like, I'm a pastor, and of course, he's like, what? And you do electronic dance music? And I'm like, yeah, I know, it's like the weirdest thing ever, and then I, I shared my story with him, and he was like, that is the coolest thing ever. Man, I would so come to your church. And, and I, 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 it was kind of the weirdest conversation. He's like, dude, you have to consider doing an album with us. And of course, I, like, it, it, was like, it was like, when will people stop asking me to do this? I don't do that anymore. I'm a pastor. Do you know what I'm saying? But, but see, that's the way a calling works. Do you realize what a calling means? It means people are calling you. It means people are saying There's something unique about this. When you do this, it makes me feel alive, and I want you to do more of it. You see, that's what a calling is, and I I, I remember kind of hanging up the phone, and I just, um, suddenly I felt the voice of God speak to me, and it wasn't like an audible voice. It It was more of like a really strong impression that came out of nowhere, but it was super clear, and it was this. Peter, I am trying to get your attention. Are you noticing a theme yet? I've used spiritual people. I've used unspiritual people. I've used your wife. I've used your kids. I've used all sorts of people in your life. I'm trying to reveal your paperweight. All these things in your life that you've kind of segmented, all these quote-unquote unspiritual gifts that you don't believe I want to use, I want to use them. 
There are tribes of people out there who will only respond to the gifts that I've put in your life, and if you don't use them, they won't be reached. And maybe for you, you're out there and you're like, I I couldn't give a rip about electronic dance music, but there's always some hobby that you care about. And and for many of you, actually, it was some of those, it was people, it was Christians doing those things alongside of you that even opened you up to the gospel in the first place. And I I just, I I just, I'm, I'm here to tell you, church, that I believe, just like me, the same is true with you. It's not an accident that you have the passions that you have, that you have the past that you have, because as a result of your past and your past, You have a sphere of influence that nobody else has. You have the ability, a bridge to certain people that nobody else has. And when it comes to your calling, God isn't merely interested in your spiritual gifts. He's interested in your unspiritual gifts. He's also interested in your pain, the pain that you've overcome in the past. And and maybe you're out there and you're thinking, yeah, but Peter, nobody wants to hear about my divorce. Nobody wants to hear about my eating disorder. Nobody wants to hear about my former addiction. No. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. Those aren't paperweights in your life. They're platforms. They're priceless treasures that that God can use to minister to people who have similar issues, who are struggling and aren't figuring out how to do it because they don't have the life of God. Well, after hearing all this stuff over the years, after my calling is, is constantly stalking me, Peter, do, do, do this thing, do, do, start doing music in addition to speaking, the calling kept happening. Well, I finally decided, you know what, maybe I should publish this. And I, I, I took, I had literally written hundreds of songs, and so we finally distilled it into an album, and, and I finally did it. I know this is going to sound crazy for a pastor to do, but I actually I released an international electronic dance music album last April. Um, with a, the, We created a band called Substance Variant. It's actually literally a band out of our church. It's all believers, and we launched an international album, and, and it's completely taking off. Get this. Uh, even just since April, we've now had over 210,000 downloads of the music, and get this, the album has climbed all the way up to number eight on the mainstream electronic dance music chart. Come on. That's crazy. Like, and, and it's taking off. We're starting to get all these weird requests all over the place and, uh, to, 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 to do this. In fact, I literally just flew in from London uh, because I was, I was doing a festival for 7,000 young people who wanted to hear this music. And I keep thinking, and at the festival, guess what? For me, it's not just about entertaining people. I'm like, you know what? God gave me this for a mission, and I just shared my faith. And guess what? We saw over 240 young people give their lives to Christ as a result of that last week. Last week, 248 new decisions to follow Christ. I'm telling you guys, God is doing more through this dumb, silly, unspiritual gift than I ever thought possible. That what The gift that I thought was dumb, the gift that I thought was a paperweight, God says, you know what? That's on purpose. It's your calling. And when you do that, when you are fully alive to the whole call of God on your life, man, people can see it. You can see it. You can see when people are truly alive to the call of God on their lives. But where did it start? It started with a mentality switch, church. It started with me saying, you know what? I'm not going to just segment my life into spiritual gifts and unspiritual gifts. Listen, I'm going to use all of it for the gospel. 
I want, I want to be everything God intended me to be in all of its weird, unique glory. And you know what? Yeah, is everybody going to love it? No, but you know what? There's a tribe of people who are going to love it, and that's who I'm called to. And the same thing is true with you. There's a tribe of people that God is calling you to. And, and so whatever, whatever sector of society that you belong to, whatever passions you have, be it hunting, be it writing, be it cooking, be it hiking, listen, I don't care what it is. It could be the weirdest thing, but God wants in on that. He wants in on that. And, and you're like, well, how? How could he get in on that? Well, I mean, for goodness sakes, you can lead small groups on that topic. We have people in our church that lead, you know, Monday night football parties, and they lead more people to Christ through, you know, watching Monday night football. Some of you are like, I can eat nachos for Christ and watch football. Yeah, I know, I know, it's beautiful, isn't it? You see, I think that God wants to redeem the unspiritual areas of our lives for evangelistic purposes, and, but we've gotta be open to that. And so, um, to make this a little bit easier, I actually made a handout for you guys, and, and we're not gonna be passing it out uh, today, but um, it, it's a handout, and it's called the Impact Assessment. And, and I, the reason why I'm pointing it out is because if you guys have the YouVersion app, the YouVersion Bible on your phone, um, it's actually in the YouVersion app notes, okay? And, and your pastor may mention that a little bit later, but if you go in there, you can get this, this, this tool, this worksheet called the Impact Assessment. And, um, or alternately, if you're watching online, just go to peterhaas.org and type in impact assessment into the search query, and it'll show up. This little worksheet will show up. Um, so peterhaas.org, H-A-A-S.org, and you'll find this little worksheet called the impact assessment. But um, just to give you an idea as to what it is, uh, the big idea of this worksheet is to help you identify the convergence between your gifts, your influence, and your opportunities. In other words, it's a worksheet that will help you identify your skills, your hobbies, your passions, or, or even things like um, what difficulties have you overcome throughout your life, okay? These things, God will speak to you about your calling through the difficulties that you've overcome, or, or how about this? So the worksheet will even go into more detail, like what, what tribes of people could you most naturally reach, there's certain people that you're the only Christian that they know, the only Christian who's truly alive to the call of God. Uh, and, and some of you, you've got access to the local artists. Some of you, you've got access to, to, to uh, military veteran, veterans. Some of you, again, maybe football fans. I don't know what your thing is, but uh, the, the worksheet will help you identify what tribes of people that you have unique influences with. And then, of course, the worksheet ends by asking you um, questions about how you might practice practically uh, serve these people? How can you practically show love to people? It's kind of like what you're doing by showing love to the teachers here in your city. I saw that in your announcements. Well, listen, God wants to speak to you about more ways to do that, and, and he's going to use you to lead people to Christ. You always thought to yourself, well, how do I become used by God to lead other people to Christ? Uh, and you were trying to use all these unnatural ways of reaching people. Well, listen, it's actually the most natural thing. Just be you. Just be you, and if you learn how to, to, to let your light shine through practical ways through this worksheet, I'm telling you, God is going to speak to you, but, but my point is this. There are tribes of people who need what you have, and, and they need a person 
who is fully alive to the call of God on, on, on your life. They need to see that. And as, as one last example, I, I wanna, uh, I'll never forget hearing the story of Kevin Costner. Do you guys know who Kevin Costner is, the actor? Remember, he's like, he's like one of the most decorated actors in over the last three decades, right, of, of cinematic history. He's been in countless movies. And, and Kevin Costner happened to be speaking at Whitney Houston's funeral. If you remember, uh, Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston starred in um, that one movie, The Bodyguard, back in the 80s. And, and so he was speaking at Whitney Houston's funeral, the pop singer, and, and he started telling his own story. And actually, uh, when he told it, it really gripped me as being relevant to today's topic. And I found it so tragic, his story is tragic because Kevin Costner actually grew up in church. In fact, he was deeply involved in a church when he was a kid. In fact, his father and him helped literally physically construct the church that they went to. Their church went through a construction project, and, and of course, Kevin Costner and his dad literally helped build the church, and Kevin was reflecting on how the fact that he would snap the chalk lines, and they would allow him to hammer in a lot of the nails, and he was involved in the church, and as a result of that, he got to really get to know the pastor of that church firsthand, and, 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 but what he said really kind of gripped me as completely tragic, and this is what he said. He said, I lived most of my life afraid that God would call me to preach the gospel. And I thought, wow, really? Like, this actor lived his whole life in fear that God would call him to preach the gospel. In my mind, I thought, you know, the gospel is like one of the coolest, most fun things ever. I mean, I, why would anybody be afraid of good news? Who's afraid of good news? You won the lottery. Oh, I'm afraid. You know what I mean? Like, like unless... The only people who are afraid of good news who are, are people that somehow in the, the, the good news got lost in translation and they heard it's mediocre news, it's oppressive news, it's not so awesome news. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians, that's how they, they translate the gospel into not so good news. And, and, and so Kevin Costner says, I lived my whole life afraid that God might call me to preach the gospel. And he said, I was afraid because... And get this, I was afraid because I saw my own pastor and I knew he did not enjoy what he was doing. You see, the people around us can always tell when we're fully alive to the call of Christ. People around us can, full, people know when we're living out the good news. You can fake it to people at church on Sunday morning by putting on your Sunday best, but you can't fake it to your wife. You can't fake it to your, your spouse or your kids or your, your immediate family. They know the truth. You see, at the end of the day, our families know whether or not we're truly living out the full reality of good news, that we have joy, that we have gratitude, that we have endurance. They know. You see, that's why one of my greatest goals, even as a dad to my three kids, is to, to exemplify the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible says if we're truly in, in relationship with the spirit of life, with the Holy Spirit, that we're going to just naturally ooze love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control isn't even something you have to strive for. It literally naturally flows out of your life when you simply surrender to God on a regular basis. Now, if that's true, man, that's good news don't you think? And yet so many of us, we don't really understand good news. We don't understand that gospel. We understand the gospel of striving. But listen to me. The gospel is not an action. It is a reaction. 
The gospel is not a list of requirements. It's a list of results after experiencing God's love. And yet so many of us have never experienced God's love. We've never understood God's will. And as a result, we're just kind of living out this weird, fractured, segmented, non-joyful form of Christianity. And the people around us, they see it. They call it out. They know it. And they say, if that's the gospel, then I don't know if I'm into that because that doesn't look like good news. You don't look like good news. And I, I don't say that to oppress any of you. I actually, uh, because be, I say that to set you free. I'm actually calling you to take that step into something deeper and live that integrated life. And I, 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 my mentor, uh, Joe Champion, he, he taught me this a long time ago. He said, our lack of joy can do more damage to the gospel than any bad doctrine. Our lack of joy can do more damage to the gospel than any bad doctrine, and we see that take place in the life of Kevin Costner. I mean, who knows? If his pastor had been filled with joy, who knows what Kevin Costner could have done with his life, how much more he could have used his platform to proclaim the gospel. And yeah, maybe we got a, good, a few good movies from him, but I kind of wonder what would have happened if a person of that level of talent had the spirit of God and the power of God all over him. What could have happened? And that's the thing, is I, I just don't want to see us lacking fruit in our lives because we don't understand the true reality of God's great and glorious plan. And it's so great. I mean, when I look out across this congregation and I think about each one of you, I think, oh my gosh, what has God put into that person? What has God put into that person? It's like, it's like every one of you is like a Christmas tree filled with gifts. You know what I'm saying? And we could just go around and unwrap gifts and be like, that is the coolest thing ever. Let's go play. You know what I'm saying? That's what Christmas morning is all about. And yet so many of us, we're just literally, it's like the gifts are just sitting there and we're just like, yeah. That's a gift that God gave to me, but it's not really spiritual enough to open. We're just going to put it over there. That's how some of us act. And, and listen, I, I know why we do that. We do that because we're kind of a, uh, we're, we're afraid of some of those passions. We're afraid to even share a, of some of our past pain. And to be honest, I thought, you know what? If I start liking electronic dance music again, my, my church is going to think I'm weird. If I literally release this album, everybody's going to be like, oh, Pastor Peter's having a midlife crisis, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, thought, I thought people are just going to think it's weird or, 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 like, you know, or, or like, what does it mean to my, my call to preach? Does that somehow affect it? And I, 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 all these questions, they were complicated, and I didn't know how I was going to answer all of them. And I, I finally just realized, hey, listen, my life is just going to look different. I'm going to be a different type of pastor. I might be a freaky, weird pastor, but you know what? That's okay because when I'm fully alive, people can see it. They feel the joy. They feel the endurance. They feel the excitement. And they say, maybe God wants the same for me. And you know what's funny is, is you know, I, I, I explained to my church, hey, I know this is going to sound weird, but we're going to really release, I'm, I'm releasing a mainstream electronic dance music album, and I know that some of you might think that's a little strange, but uh, stick with me. We're just going to have some fun with this, and we're going to see a lot of people come to know Christ as a result of this. And you know what? They were all like, you know what? Yay. Pastor, you be you in all of your weirdness. Come on. You're the one who named this church Substance, which is the weirdest name ever, and why not just continue with that? We like it. You see, there's a group of people that are going to like the, the, the unique flavor that you bring into, into this city, into Indiana, Pennsylvania, and they're going to say, man, there's something unique about this city. There's something unique about Summit Church. Summit Church people are just different. Why? Because they're alive, and, and, and they're filled with joy, but where does that joy come from? It, it comes from 
adequately discerning the will of God, Colossians 1.11. I want you to know that. And really, that's why this church exists. That's why there's a growth track. That's why, they, that, that's why your pastors are calling you deeper is because they want you to have the type of relationships that God can speak through, the types of relationships that can literally affirm your calling. But it's, it, you gotta live integrated into a community, into a, a place where God can speak, where you're exposed to his word, where you're exposed to Christian friends and godly mentors, where you're, where you're constantly surrendering and listening to the voice of God speak to your conscience. And so today, what I wanna do is I just wanna end by doing just that. I wanna stop and listen for the voice of God because I just have this sense that there's some of you here today who um, maybe, maybe you don't even know how you got here today. Maybe you're like, I'm not the type of person who really goes to church or maybe you, maybe you do, but you're not quite sure what you think about this whole God thing, you know what I'm saying? Listen, I'm not asking you to lay aside all of your doubts and just disregard all those questions, but what I am saying is this, is if you open yourself up to the call of God, I do believe that he can reveal himself to you just like he revealed himself to me in that nightclub. And if you'd be willing to even go on a journey, I'm telling you, some of you are gonna start experiencing success, fruitfulness, joy, endurance in your life that you never thought possible. And how did it happen? By simple surrender, not striving, surrender. And so right now, would you just close your eyes? Bow your heads, and I just, if that's you today, if you're here today, uh, what I want to do is I just want to end by praying, but, um, if, but before we do that, if you're here and you just, you know it's time to give your life to Christ, you've never really given your life over to Christ before, or, or maybe you have, but you know it's time for a reset, if that's you, this is what I'm going to do, is I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And then I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up or, or, or embarrass you. If that's you, just on the count of three, throw your hand up in the air. And, um, and let's just make a commitment to God, okay? One, two, three. Anybody here? Yep. See your hands. See your hands. Anybody else? Yep. Yep. Anybody else in the back? Yep. Anybody else? Yep. In the balcony? Yep. Anybody else? Okay, this is what I want to do is I'm just going to pray a simple little repeat after me prayer. And if you agree with this prayer, then I want everybody in this entire room just to join me in this rededication prayer because this is something that we can do on a daily basis. And so would you join me? Just pray this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Renew me for your purpose. I want to live for you starting today and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen.